Hello, you are listening to the Nourish Gut Podcast. This space is for the woman who is suffering from digestive issues like IBS and SIBO. I am your host, Carly Raven. I am a naturopath, clinical nutritionist, gut health expert, and mother. My mission is to help educate you about IBS and SIBO and take you on a journey to resolving your digestive issues. I will have real conversations and give you solutions that I know actually work. So if you're ready to be bloat-free, poo better, have more energy and become free from the fear of food, then you are in the right place. Hello and welcome back to the Nourish Gut Podcast. Today we are being joined by Jessica Donovan, who is a naturopath and mama of two, who helps parents raise super kids with healthy food, lifestyle considerations and natural medicines. She is passionate about educating parents on nourishing their children with real food, helping to boost their health and heal naturally. Jessica combines her extensive naturopathic knowledge with a realistic, empathetic, inspiring and down-to-earth approach to empower parents to look after themselves and take charge of the well-being of their families. And I'm super excited to be bringing her on today because we're going to be talking about um, how gut health affects children's mood and behavior. And I think this is a really awesome conversation to be happening because I know that children's mood and behavior um, really presents a lot in practice um, and is so connected to gut health. So I'm really excited to dive deep um, and have a chat to Jessica, who, you know, has been working with kids for so, so long. Like <laughs> She has literally <laughs> dedicated her naturopathic career to helping children. Um, so I know that, yes, we're in very good hands today. So a really big welcome to you, Jess. Thank you, Carly. So happy to be here and talking about this you know, this topic that I think doesn't get enough airtime, but is uh, really important when it comes to kids' health. Absolutely. So can you tell us just a little bit more about um, why you work with kids? Like what really lights you up about working with kids? Yeah, well, it was really when I became a mum myself that I really delved into the, I guess, the specialty of kids' health. And it just sort of organically went from there. So I was already a naturopath, um, you know, had a couple of babies. They are 15 and 13 now. So that was that was a few years ago. Uh, and yeah, I just immersed myself. You know, I think I, I'd worked with kids a little bit before, but it was when I had kids myself that I truly understood how, you know, precious and vulnerable they were. And I wanted the best for my kids' health. So I was doing a lot of reading and researching. And then I was just sort of, you know, um, going about my my day as a new mum, like going to the playgroups and the the kinder gyms and 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 mingling with mums and kids. And so I started attracting uh, kids to my practice and started getting some good results in things like eczema and sleep issues and, um, you know, tummy troubles, gut issues. And it kind of just went from there. Mm, I can so relate to that whole, like you become a mother and things really change and it really deepens your experience, knowledge, and like 
Yeah, just your overall understanding, I think. So I can really relate to that. You know, I have a three-year-old myself and it wasn't until I was in it that I was like, whoa, this is a whole other world. Um, and yes. it's, you know, there's just so much there. And we do treat them differently. You know, we've got different dosages. We've got different formulas. There's things we can and can't do. So it's a beautiful area to niche and um, to get right. So, yeah. yeah and it's, it's ongoing as well, right? Mm. Like I have teenagers, we're talking off air a little bit about so, so needs change, challenges change. You know, I'm in that that kind of space where my my son is out and about on his own a lot. You know, so you, you lose kind of that control over exactly what they're eating. You know, when he was a baby, I remember going and buying organic mints just for him because our budget wouldn't allow us to buy it for all of us, you know. And now he's like out and about buying fast food for lunch a lot because <laughs> he's out mountain bike riding and you've got to let go right so oh, then I already got feel to... like that with my three-year-old I'm like when he was a baby he'd eat for anything and now he's just this like throwing tantrums and throwing toast at my face like <laughs> even yeah so we go through those challenges as well right like kids are yep. hard we can't force what we want you know our kids to be eating so yeah like the challenges and the stages and sometimes you know diagnoses that come come along I think kids health is something that people need that ongoing sort of support and inspiration with like even me we fall off the bandwagon sometimes and it's like right we need to to get back to to better eating um yeah so so we need those constant reminders which is what I love in terms of running natural super kids and the membership and the podcast I get reminded all the time of um you know the important things and I'm able to sort of guide other parents um, in a realistic way as as to, you know, what's healthy and, and some healthy changes that are easy to make for them. And it's all about setting up the foundations. You know, if we're able to give kids that really beautiful start to life, you know, even from a gut microbiome perspective, we know how important those first three years of life are. Even if they go off and eat McDonald's burgers at 18, we know that we've given them a good foundation you know a good microbiome a strong immune system and all of those things that you know it's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things you know if they decide to be rebel teenagers and (laughs) yes we do need to let go and my just just quickly my strategy now is like I know he's gonna you know go and eat fast food for lunch so he's got to have a nourishing breakfast I've got something nourishing for him when he gets home So at least he's getting Boundaries. the good stuff in. Yes. You can do this, but you have to do this as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's always oh. things we can do, no matter, you know, what stage we're at or, yeah, that sort of thing. Mm. So let's dive into like, and let's look at uh, and explore, I suppose, a little bit more about mood and behaviour. Can you tell us about like what you're seeing in terms of what kinds of mood and behaviour issues that are coming to your clinic commonly mm-hmm. in children? Yeah, so there's a huge range, you know, from the minor kind of, I guess, you know, signs and and symptoms, you know, the irritability, the temper tantrums, the angry outbursts, the aggression, the, you know, we see quite a few highly sensitive children and they're, you know, impacted by what we might think as, you know, small changes in their environment and that affects their mood um, and behaviour to the more kind of diagnosed conditions that are more complex, like the anxiety and the ADHD, um, you know, the autistic children that often have um, challenges with mood and behaviour, even depression. Unfortunately, you know, we are seeing in kids, particularly teenagers, 
And look, these things are exhausting and overwhelming for the whole family. It's, you know, it's awful seeing your kids struggle with mood and behavioral challenges that, you know, that that are sort of out of their their control. Um, But it does impact the the family dynamics, you know, relationships within the family, the the household, um, you know, the peace within the household. Uh, So, yeah, there's lots of sort of um, issues there. And I do want to say, though, like that, you know, kids aren't supposed to be in good moods and and behave perfectly all the time. Like, you know, tantrums are, are normal develop, you know, at certain mm. developmental stages and that sort of thing. Um, kids are still learning to regulate emotions. They're learning where the boundaries are. They're pushing the boundaries. <laughs> um, you know, that's normal for children. But a lot of the kids that we're helping at Natural Super Kids, you know, it's it's well beyond the odd sort of temper tantrum that yep. we would expect in sort of two to three-year-olds or 14, 15-year-olds. Yep. Um, you know, so, so there, there's definitely things that we can, we can do naturopathically, which is exciting. So exciting. And so what are the links that you see between, you know, these mood and behavioural issues and and gut health? We have to talk all things gut health on this podcast. It just wouldn't be my podcast without doing so. So I'd really love to kind of pick your brains around, yeah, those links. Yeah, definitely. And look, mood and behavioural challenges, you know, they're multifactorial, Like, but gut health is one of those foundational pieces that we need to look at. And what we find is that nearly always kids with either the minor mood behavioural challenges or the more sort of complex um, chronic kind of conditions nearly always have digestive symptoms when we delve into what's going on with that child, as we do as naturopaths um, and, and nutritionists. So um, you know, we find that a lot of these kids will have issues with constipation, will have issues with regular sore tummies, with food intolerances. You know, when we delve into what might be going on, there's often worms, worm infestations or parasites or, um, you know, microbiome imbalances. And what we find nearly always as well is as we address and improve those digestive symptoms and conditions, nearly always a child's mood behavior improves so there's more to it than that of course but um it's a really great place to start and when we think about it you know when our tummy's feeling off um you know when we've got when we're constipated or when we've got some bloating like it, it doesn't make us feel good does it and when kids are you know still learning to regulate emotions it often comes out in you know mood and behavioral challenges oh absolutely and our brain and our gut are so connected right like yes. there's just so much going on like there's communication pathways pathways sorry neurotransmitters we know that the microbiome can um, impact um, mood as well so can you just remind our listeners about more about this gut brain connection and then its relevance that it has specifically on yeah kids mood and behavior Yeah, I find this area so fascinating. And I'm sure you've talked about that gut-brain connection like multiple times on this podcast. I'm sure a lot of your seasoned listeners already have an idea of what it is, but I sort of explain it in in very simple terms. It's very complex. Like there is more and more research being done in this area, but there's so much more that we don't even, you know, know yet. Mm. But the gut and brain are connected by the vagus nerve. And um, that they communicate with each other. It's like a two-way communication. So the brain is communicating with the gut specifically, 
the microbes within the gut and the microbes within the gut are, are communicating with the brain. I mean, even that just blows my mind. Yes. Um, and so we know that the gut microbiome, the health of the gut microbiome, you know, the diversity of the gut microbiome plays a crucial part in, um, you know, how our brain functions. And when we're talking about mood and behavior, there are certain well, brain chemicals or neurotransmitters that impact our kids' mood and behavior. And a lot of those neurotransmitters are actually produced within the gut. So we're talking about things like serotonin, which makes us feel good, um, and dopamine and GABA and melatonin, which helps with you know us, us go off to sleep and have a healthy sleep cycles. So all of these neurotransmitters, like many of them are mainly produced within the gut. So if we've got an unhealthy gut environment, um, if the microbiome isn't as healthy as it could be, as diverse it could as it could be, then the production of these neurotransmitters and the way that they work within our kids' brains and bodies, um, is affected so it's such a such an interesting area hey oh it I and I think you're really right in the research side of all of this you know um, anything to do with gut microbiome I keep saying we need more research you know we need good quality large-scale research studies to be done on that and unfortunately it can be a little bit hard with natural medicine um, you know with our herbs and our therapies to get those really big scale um, uh, research done but there's still data there you know that we know about these connections and, and the mechanisms that are behind all of this and I know even just from a clinical observation point of view even in our practice when we work with kids and adults when we work on their gut it's so quickly that their um, mental health and even their energy the clarity that fogginess it starts to lift and you know they no longer be feel anxious or depressed or you know they just feel so much better they have a better quality of life they're able to go and do things and achieve things more and that impact that it then has on their mental health is huge. So um, whenever we work with someone's gut health, we always see improvements to mood um, and behavior in kids and adults. So, you know, like the and diagnosis of well. ADHD in adults has just gone, it's dramatically risen, like the rates of diagnosis in adults. And so I know that, you know, what we're talking about today isn't just relevant to kids. It's also going to be relevant to, you know, adults who have mood and behavioral issues and have been diagnosed with ADHD as well. So yes, it's a really interesting. Actually, I will have to send you, I'm not sure if you've come across it, Jess, I'll send you through a study that we um were actually discussing us prackies in our mastermind um, last week we had a, a case on a child with ADHD and chronic constipation um, and it's a really cool study I'll send that through and I'll even mm. attach it here in the show notes for you guys for anyone out there who loves to look at research um, yeah it's some really cool information and research that's come out specifically on the microbiome and ADHD so you can amazing check it out. yes I'm all mm. up for <laughs> looking at any of that sort of research and yeah, I mean, a lot of those those kind of conditions that you just mentioned, um, you know, the ADHD, the depression, we know from research that um, many people with these conditions have lower diversity in the gut microbiome. So working on improving that diversity is, is key for anyone with mm. mood, behavior, sleep challenges as well. Mm. It's not often what we think about, right? We, we, we think Absolutely. about it's such a shame that... Um, you know, modern medicine looks at mental health separately to physical health, but oh, the brain right. is an organ. And of course, our environment, our diet, our nutrition, our gut health are 
impacting that organ and that is impacting our mood and behavior so yeah I think it needs to be looked more at more holistically for sure which is what we do as naturopaths Mm. so I know that you support families um, with kids on the spectrum and that they often are being diagnosed with ADHD Um, can we now I I just talked a little bit about (laughs) you know a research article that I came across and you know and how we've had a case study recently but can you tell me a little bit more about you know what relevance does gut health have for families or children on the spectrum with ADHD and what you're finding in your practice yeah, so these neurodiverse conditions, of course, like, you know, whether it's autism, whether it's ADHD, again, I just want to sort of stress that they are multifactorial, um, but as, you know, naturopaths that, that we are that um, are very interested in gut health, we can see that there are, you know, there are links. So practically, um, when we're working with clients at Natural Super Kids, again, we all we we find that almost all kids that are on the spectrum that have ADHD will have some gut digestive issues. Constipation is really common. Food intolerances are really common. Um, you know, just irregular bowels where the the, the digestion is not working as as well as it could be um, it is really common. And again, when we address these gut digestive symptoms we see that mood and behavioural symptoms improve. We also know that kids that are on the spectrum or people that are on the spectrum, again, it's it's translatable to adults as well, or have, have ADHD, um, will often have that lower diversity within their gut microbiome, meaning I, I've used diversity a lot um, already. I was about me- to say, we probably should clarify what we mean by diversity because people will be like, what? <laughs> what are they talking about? What is this diversity? You yeah. know, and and again, put simply, it's really just um low, you know, a, a low um level of combination of of microbes within the gut. Um, so not many different species, not as many different species as there could be. Um, do you want to add to that? I don't know if I explained that as well as I could. <laughs> yeah, I will. The only thing I will add as well is like in some people it will present really low and in other people diversity will be off because they actually have a overgrowth of like what might be a pathogenic bacteria. So that might be so high and then they have, you know, a lack of um, the the health promoting species in their gut um, and that in itself can kind of yeah like put off diversity so it's all about yes it's not about having always high amounts of diversity in terms of the species in the gut it's all about balance of like what's yes. actually in the gut from a pathogenic or a you know a healthy commensal bacteria yes yes exactly that's very very well said and you know with the difference between kids and adults you know adults have had more years to develop kind of more chronic imbalances I think but we still do see a lot of microbiome imbalances in in kids and um you know when we when we don't have a lot of healthy species within the gut microbiome then there's opportunity for those pathogenic bacterias to to, to overgrow right (laughs) One of the most common causes of a pathogen being able to thrive is just having those good ones there in the first place. So, yes, totally agree. And that's why I'm always going on about diversity, diversity, diversity. Like let's optimize that that diversity within the gut microbiome. And the other thing that I want to mention, um, you know, specifically with with these these neurodiversity, like we're talking about, um, is neuroinflammation. This is such an interesting, mm. um, you know, topic and area. Again, and a, a topic that needs more research. But there's there's already a lot that we know. I was um yeah listening to a podcast with a with a top 
neurosurgeon or neuro researcher um, who was talking about the fact that, you know, neuroinflammation is one of the biggest contributors to those chronic brain conditions that we see later on in life, dementia, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, um, multiple sclerosis. But this, this neuroinflammation isn't just not there one day and it's there the next day, you know, creating these pretty awful conditions that none of us really want to end up with, but are all too common. Um, you know, it's really from, you know, back, back in utero that this neuroinflammation can start. And so I find this, you know, really empowering that we have the um, ability to be able to reduce the amount of inflammation that is this neuroinflammation, which is basically inflammation of the brain and the central nervous system. Um, And over time, that leads to some pretty nasty, um, you know, scary conditions. Uh, But in in, in a sort of more minor way, this new, this, these levels of neuroinflammation when they're high can impact our kids' mood and behavior. And we know that kids that are, that are neurodiverse often have higher levels of neuroinflammation. So, you know, we want to be, um, to be implementing diet and lifestyle strategies to reduce that overall inflammation, which we so often talk about as naturopaths, don't we? Oh, um, it's like inflammation is like one of the top causes for all chronic disease. Yes. Like, you know, not just, um, you know, mood disorders, but pretty much the top. Yeah. Yeah. You think condition. of autoimmune conditions, of like arthritis, of cardiovascular conditions. Yeah. It, it's all about inflammation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and this inflammation can affect our brain and our nervous system. So we want to try and, um, you know, live healthier habits, um, you know, including our dietary choices and our lifestyle choices to, you know, reduce that, that inflammation over time. Mm-hmm. And so much inflammation can reside or be occurring within the gut can't it you know yes. like hyper um uh, permeability um eating the wrong food sometimes can you know having a high fat high processed diet can be quite inflammatory to the bowel and then that impacts the microbiome having yeah. pathogenic bacteria in there can produce high amounts of inflammation so now we can start to see well if we've got a really inflamed gut and how that might you know and they've got neuroinflammation going on people who have ADHD or these mood disorders it's almost that two-way street that you're talking about before that's happening as well and we're putting fuel on a fire and vice versa in these systems of our body aren't we yes and it's such a good point because you know sources of inflammation like our diet our lifestyle but also yeah the gut is a huge contributor as you've just said to our overall inflammation levels including our neuroinflammation so yeah we want to make sure you know that we are looking after the gut and healing the gut so there isn't that leaky gut intestinal permeability like food intolerances which can all lead to more and more inflammation so Mm -hmm. it's another example of how it's all linked so let's talk because I think we've explained a lot about the the what and the how and let's go and be a little bit practical and give some people some useful tips um, that they can take away from today's episode and chat about. So what do you recommend people do to improve their children's gut health um, that's therefore also going to help their mood and behavior? Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. Like, you know, there's there's lots of information that we could talk about, but I love sharing the the practical. Well, what do we do with this? How do we, yes. you know, how, how do we? <laughs> Everyone's yeah. hanging out for. Okay, <laughs> I know this is going on. Just help me. Give me the help. <laughs> yes. Well, number one would be to address the digestive symptoms, like to understand digestive health, what's normal, what's not, um, you know, and to address any digestive um, issue. So if your child is constipated, it's really important that you get them, you know, going to the toilet regularly and address that constipation from a, you know, from a root cause point, not with, you know, not, not with the, the, the medications that are just kind of helping them to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so addressing digestive symptoms, which um, and, and conditions, is really important. Uh, the next thing that we can do um, is to focus on that that microbiome health. So I talked about diversity um, a lot, like having more diversity, higher diversity within the in the microbiome is linked to kind of better health outcomes, including you know, better mood and behavior. And one of the, the key things that we can do to improve that microbiome diversity is to include more variety in our diet um, and in our kids' diet. And I know there's probably people going, oh, how am I going to do that? My kid will only eat, you know, 10 foods or <laughs> 20 foods or whatever. Um, but trying to yeah get more variety into your family's diet is really important. And so many of us get stuck in a rut, right? We go to the shops, we buy the same fruit, the same veggies every week. We make the same meals because we're busy and we don't have time to to kind of think outside of that. But if you can just start to make one new dinner a week um, or even a fortnight uh, with different ingredients, different spices or herbs or different plant foods than you might otherwise use, get your kids involved in this as well. Like, okay, what fruit haven't we had for a while that we could try um, you know, this week, or what's a vegetable that you've never tried in this fruit and veg shop or at this fruit market? Let's let's take it home. I mean, we've got so much information at our fingertips now, right? We can Google, you know, a recipe made with whatever vegetable or fruit that we um, we choose. So trying to add more diversity, especially within the plant foods that you are eating your children. And yeah, that could be, like I said, a di- different spice. You might always use, you know, cumin and paprika, um, maybe you could try using turmeric and, and coriander root. Like so, so thinking about different combinations of, of spices and um, herbs. The legumes are also really great for this. So, um, you know, your your regular spaghetti bolognese. What about adding, even if it's just a, a quarter of a cup of lentils to your spaghetti bolognese? Mm. No one will notice. And it's a really good one for reducing the food bill, which we are all, um, you know, focused on at the moment, like using some more leg, less meat, more legumes, um, you know, in those everyday family favorites, like the spaghetti bolognese, the shepherd's pie, the the tacos um, that you're probably already having regularly. But think about, okay, maybe um, we could add some some black beans to our taco mix this this week. So yeah, thinking about adding diversity to your diet is really important. Do you want to add anything to that? I know you've probably got some tips. 
about adding yeah, diversity. I'd call it gut 40. Um, and I've got a free resource that you guys can access, which has got very, um, Jess has already mentioned a lot of the um, tips in the ebook, but there's um, more there as well. So you're welcome to go on. Um, we'll just put it in the show notes here. And it's all about, um, there's a big international study done um, where it looked at um, people consuming over 30 plants um, in a week. Yeah. Um, so that's why I created gut 40, because I thought, oh, well, if we aim for 40, we're definitely going to get 30. Um, and so it's got some really cool, um, tips and tricks to kind of increase that, um, in your diet and, you know, even just simple things that I've found, cause uh, as I said, at the start of the, um, episode, my three-year-old can be a little bit like, oh, I just don't want it. I don't like this today. I was like, okay, you do, but right now you don't want it and that's fine. We'll move on. And I keep exposing him to the same foods, you know, even though he said, I don't like that, or I don't want that you know, tomorrow I will try again and I will never give up. (laughs) He probably gets sick of seeing the same food and saying to me, I don't like it. And I said, well, maybe one day you will. And it's really important that you at least give it a try and have a taste. Um, And if there's something that is, I've noticed there's a pattern, like he's really off it. I just start blending it. So like, um, you know, for spaghetti bolognese, sometimes I just blend up carrot, broccoli, you know, all of those things, and then just add it into the sauce. And it's there. I know he's getting it in some capacity. He's not seeing it which isn't ideal because we kind of want them to be able to have that see connection to the food um but you know we need to get fiber into our kids in some way that's right <laughs> and they do sometimes yes yeah and sometimes you do have to hide it or get creative with ways to to add it in yeah and I love that you brought that up because it can be really tricky with with fussy kids um particularly or kids in you know most kids uh have some level of fussiness Definitely. in terms of yeah what, normal like that, it, that it is instinct normal. of just I don't know. Sometimes I don't feel like certain foods either as an adult, like I go off food. So I think we got to have a balance there of our expectation on the kid as well. Definitely. Definitely. And I love what you said about like, continue to expose them. It's so important. Like there's so many foods that my kids didn't like when they were little and you just keep putting a little bit on their plate um, or even for kids that don't want it on their plate, you know, that they're not having that and, you know, having a little separate plate, like a learning to like plate, we call it, at Lovely. Natural Super Kids. Yeah, so it's like, okay, I know you don't like that. You don't have to eat it. It's just there. And that exposure, they don't even have to eat it to have that exposure, just seeing it in front of them and getting more comfortable with the food. That yeah, is going to make them kind of more, yeah, like more when a kid is more comfortable with the food, they're going to be more likely to eat it in the long term, even if it takes months, years, yeah. um, you know, and those family style, um, you Ew. know, tables with everything in the middle and you help yourself. Um, you know, we want you to try a bit of everything, but you can put that on your learning to like play if you don't, you know, if, if you're really against it. Because there are some kids that just won't even go near their plate. If there's a kids mushroom. on the spectrum, right? Like ADHD. Really like there are going to be some really big um, complexes or hesitations, something exactly. that might come really left out of field that you didn't see coming. Maybe they're just off that day. Um, the ups and downs of having an ADHD child. So I think that in itself can be a whole other world of navigating yes. and techniques. Um, yeah, because that comes with it. It's like they they almost can't control that response as well, you know. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. And there can be like lots of sensory issues. Like it's, I mean, you know, fuss, fussy eating and, and this sort of thing is probably a whole nother podcast totally. topic. <laughs> but it's important to be talking about these things when we're talking about trying to get more diversity into our kids' diets because I'm sure there's, 
mums and dads out there going, yeah, right. Like my mm-hmm. kid's not going to eat anything except, mm-hmm. you know, their, their cereal for breakfast. But if that's true, try sprinkling, like even if it's an eighth of a teaspoon of some flaxseed, tiny amounts and gradually increase it and find ways to get more of that diversity into them. Like you don't have to go from box cereal for breakfast to like, you know, a, a homemade um, overnight oats, which they probably wouldn't touch, for example. So find ways to to slowly change or improve the nutritional kind of status of the foods that they're already yeah. liking. Awesome. Jess, I was just had a thought. Do you have an episode? Because I know you run your own um, podcast. Do you have an episode on fussy eating where you have dived deeper on this stuff? Um, yeah, we add do. Maybe that. I was just thinking maybe we'll add that to the show notes because it is such a big um, topic and it's so relevant to what we're discussing today. Yes. Um, so if you want to shoot that through to me and we'll, yeah, add it in for everyone listening. Definitely. Into the show notes and then you can, once you finish listening to this episode, go and yeah, delve into the world of fussy eating in children if this is relevant to you. Yeah, great idea because we could, you know, spend so yeah. much time talking about this. I think we've got three or four series episodes, a series Amazing. of episodes on okay. fussy eating. So yeah, I'll link you to okay. link you to that if you're a parent out there. Like, oh, how do I get my child to eat more more variety? Mm. So yeah, that that diversity within the diet is really important. And then I like to just sort of think about how we can expose our kids to more of the healthy um, microbes. So we can do that through fermented foods. We can do that through probiotic supplements, which, you know, we really do want to be getting individualized professional, uh, you know, advice on because not all probiotics are created equal. Not all probiotic species are going to be, you know, applicable for certain conditions. And we look at the child as a whole, there is more, like there is more research needed on sort of specific strains for mood and behavior. Um, But yeah, like when we're looking at what probiotic is going to be best for a particular child, we are definitely looking at, you know, what is going on individually for that child. Um, But the other really easy thing you can do to expose your kids to healthy microbes is to get them outside more. (laughs) The very nature of being outside, um, you know, helps to um, expose our kids to different microbes in their natural environment, which will help their, the diversity in their gut microbiome. So many kids are spending way too much time inside. They've got all of the distractions of technology these days. Like I'm speaking firsthand when I know how difficult it is to get teenagers outside. (laughs) Um, you know, and, and kids in general, like I think when they're younger, it's a bit a bit easier. I'm so lucky my son is mountain bike mad. So he's out on the trails, which I love. He comes home muddy. They've been, you know, building jumps and that sort of stuff is great um, for our kids' microbiomes. But even if it's just going to the park, having a mud kitchen outside, and I know you're all about this, Carly, like getting outside for us adults is so important for so many different reasons. Absolutely. Um, I can't advocate for it any more than what you already are. <laughs> yeah. Go and you let your kids get dirty. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that does require sometimes a little bit of letting go, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, like forgetting about the washing that's going to need to be done or, you know, giving our kids a bit of independence um, and, and letting them kind of explore outside, I think is really important. Um, so yeah, getting that exposure to the microbes and then also feeding those microbes with 
prebiotic fibers in the diet. So if we're focusing on getting more diversity within the plant foods, we're naturally going to be increasing the amount of prebiotic fibers our kids are consuming. We want to be focusing on, um, you know, the legumes um, for these prebiotic fibers, things like oats and rye are really great, um, cooked and cooled potatoes and pasta and rice are great for these prebiotic fibers. That's a really good one for fussy kids. Even if you cook pasta, cool it, and then warm it up again, that's going to be richer um, in resistant starch, which is a really important prebiotic fiber. So if your kids aren't eating a lot of variety, they're not eating a lot of veggies, um, you know, cooked and cooled rice, pasta, potatoes can be a good one. Or And switching over to rye um, based products like crackers and um, wraps and breads from just regular wheat can be a really good, easy, simple way to get more prebiotic fibers in. Um, things like onions and garlic. So focusing on getting more plant foods in will naturally help um, increase those prebiotic fibers, which are really important for feeding the gut microbiome um, or feeding the gut microbes so that they thrive within the gut. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot of those things that you... Um... One thing that just came to me as you were talking about all of that is butyrate. And so that's a short chain fatty acid that is exists in your gut. And this is a health promoting um, metabolite that a lot of our bacteria um, can produce. So you've got in your gut butyrate producing bacteria and we want healthy levels of butyrate, especially if you've got a child with constipation, because butyrate can actually like low butyrate can actually cause constipation. So um a lot of those foods you just mentioned, especially at the the cooking and the cooling, which we don't often do. And even from a TCM point of view or from winter, we don't like eating a lot of cool foods. Like we mm. kind of, in summer, it's like, you know, we probably do yeah. a little bit more, but um, from a real, yeah, gut butyrate producing um, point of view, it's a really effective strategy um, at quickly promoting some good gut health um, and higher levels of butyrate. And you may notice in your child that the constipation gets better purely by just doing something so simple like that in your kid's diet. Yes. Yes. I love that you've added that. So important. And that's the, you know, one of the main reasons that we want to include those prebiotic fibers in our kids' diets. But the truth is like so many of our kids are just eating processed, refined food that that's lacking these prebiotic fibers. Um, so yeah, focusing on that is is really important, and will have an on, like an an on flow effect on our kids' mood um, behavior and also sleep as well. Mm, yeah, it's so connected. You know, all of our our systems in our body are connected uh, when it yeah. comes to gut health and um, even mental health as well is affected by so much else as well. Um, Jess, I know you're going to be sharing with us today those um, podcast episodes on fussy eating, but is there anything else that you would like to share with us or, um, yeah, can we finish up with any other tips or tricks or anything else you wanted to say today um, to anyone listening who has a child with mood and behavioral issues? Yeah, so the yeah the podcast um, series and just the pod, uh, the Natural Super Kids podcast in general, we cover lots of different kids' health tips, sometimes even mums' health health tips because we obviously have a lot of mums in our audience. Um, so, yeah, we, we release a new episode every week on that. Um, but we also have a couple of uh, free ebooks that I'd like to mention that would be really helpful awesome. to kind of, yeah, follow on from what we've been talking about today. So we've got our Gut Health for Kids 
free ebook which kind of talks more about diversity, the seed and feed approach and why kids' gut health is, is so important generally when it comes to, yes, their mood and behaviour, but also things like their, their immunity and allergy tolerance and so much more. So I'll make sure I um, yeah send the link over for that ebook um, and you can pop it in the show notes. And then I've also got another free ebook. We've we put this one together very fairly recently, specifically for mood and behavior. And it's three breakfast recipe ideas to improve awesome. your kids' mood and behavior. So it's very specific. It's really based on something we haven't even discussed today, which is the macronutrient balance, mm-hmm. um, which is probably one last thing that I would say um, when it comes to our kids' mood and behavior. As I said, so so often our kids are eating too many of the refined processed foods, but just also too many carbohydrates in general and not enough protein and healthy fat. So our macronutrients are carbohydrates, proteins and fats. And yes, our kids do need a lot of carbohydrates for their growth, for their development, for all that energy that they use up running around. But I see so many kids' diets lacking in the the protein Mm -hmm. and the healthy fat. So these three recipe ideas, particularly specifically for breakfast, are rich in protein, rich in healthy fats, have some complex carbohydrates. So starting your kids on these breakfast recipe ideas um, will really help to, to balance their blood sugar and lead to better mood and behavior sort of all day long. So important. So, so important. Thank you so much for sharing, Jess. And we'll pop those um, uh, free resource links um, in the show notes as well, as well as anything else that has been discussed today um, throughout so that you guys can all refer back to it. Um, This has just been so amazing. I think there's an abundance of information um, and there is a lot to navigate. So I really recommend if you are a parent of a little one who is struggling with mood and behavioral issues or, you know, most likely gut issues as well would be presenting to reach out and get that individualized health um, support so that, yeah, you can, um, you know, fast track the results that you're going to see. in those kids because we know that when our children are happy we are a lot happier as well and the flow-on effect is huge to the whole family so thank you so much for listening and please remember to subscribe rate and review the podcast and i will see you uh next week on the next episode bye everyone and thank you so much jess thank you bye did you like what you heard leave us a review if you'd like to learn more about my nourish gut program or the Nourish Gut Kids membership, head over to my website. Would you like to be a part of a community that gets it? Join our Facebook group, Nourish Gut Community, or come and follow me over on Instagram. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time on the Nourish Gut Podcast.